Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. First John, chapter 4. First John, I think, is probably... I mean, theologically speaking, when it comes to understanding the fundamental foundation of a relationship with Jesus Christ, it pretty much has everything. It speaks of the grace that Jesus Christ provided on Calvary, but it also, it also gives us a lot of very clear personal responsibilities. Now, this is known as a love letter, and the reason it's known as a love letter is uh, John pretty much, I mean, he's writing this to the church for the purpose of the church actually receiving the benefits and the blessings that come along with one not just knowing the truth, but also being individuals who live under it. So he gives some pretty, pretty strict instructions in 1 John. If you read this, especially the first two chapters, I mean, he's pretty hard in those first two chapters. But I want us to understand, when he gets into chapter 4, he's actually talking, um, he's not giving us so much a a hard command as he is, is giving us a clear description. A clear description. When we get into this passage of scripture here in just a second, um, I'm going to give you a little personal application of this scripture uh, of mine as I went through this. Um, You ever hear voices? Don't worry. It may be recording this, but I don't think anybody's going to come and run the length of, you know, finding you if you hear voices. I mean, if you're a Christian, you should hear a voice in your head, right? But we also know that as Christians, not only do we hear uh, God's voice, voice in our head, but we also hear Satan's voice in our head. And sometimes he even tries to mimic him. And he also produces all of the chaos in the world that he produces by actually sending out individuals who have taken on these things that are just disastrous to everyone, including us as individuals. The destruction creates a chaos in it. And then what do we do naturally as human beings? we begin then to tear down ourselves. Anybody here ever been hard on yourself? Look, here, I'll give you an example. How many of you in here are carrying any guilt whatsoever for, for a past sin? Anybody? Now, the fact that we carry that sin, okay, the fact that we carry the guilt of that sin means that Satan has sent a false prophet into the world. And somewhere we've heard that false prophet say how bad a person is with the thing that they did and they can never find forgiveness for that. But let me tell you what my Bible says. It says that grace, the love of Christ, covers a multitude of sins. So so if, if Jesus affirms to us repeatedly in his scripture that his grace covers sin then who's whispering in our ear that we ought to feel bad about that I was watching a video one day Madeline was watching I may have mentioned this in a sermon once before but Madeline was watching this video one day and it freaked her out she called me she's giving me all kinds of questions wanting to know because it had dawned on her that this young lady who had been taking chemo for quite some time um, she was praying to God and in her prayer she heard a voice that pointed out one of her flaws. And it took her about 20 to 30 minutes for it to dawn on her. And it was like God pecked her on the shoulder and said, do you think I would say that? 
I created you. Do you think you have flaws? God doesn't tell you you have flaws. He's the one who created you. The nuts and bolts that are together that make you operate, that's his doing. He did that. So testing the spirits. That's exactly what this is. Testing to spirit, the spirits. And, and I'll give you a little bit of an explanation as to how to, uh, to kind of test this, okay? Read with me uh, chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The false prophets that have gone out in the world, and he says in two again, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So, so here's, here's your litmus test, so to speak. All right? When your mom and dad was walking beside you, how well were you behaved compared to when they were not? See where I'm going with Because if I believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he was and he came to this earth, he lived the perfect life and he died on the cross for my sins, then when am I ever going to be out of his presence? So, so guess what I naturally feel being in his presence? Just like I'm walking through the world with my mom and dad next to me but we're walking through the world like God's with us. Because if we're individuals who have trusted in him and truly trusted in him, we have the ability to test the spirits by saying, hey, does that spirit affirm Jesus Christ came in the flesh? It's, it's all of this. The individuals are now trying to bring up all these old books that they found for the last, what, 1,600 years? They're trying to bring these old books into the fold now. And the people's arguments are, oh, for shame, we should not have ever allowed them to exclude these books. These books need to go back into the Bible. We need to get them in there now. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. We presuppose, if that's the case, that God does not have the ability to preserve his word. See how that worked? Those spirits that are out there not affirming that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, the ones that, that are not affirming that he is real, those spirits are the ones that will lie to your face about him. And the thing is, if we're paying attention, we see the obvious lie. And I'm just like anyone else, except for the fact that I'm probably a little more deep dove into all this revelation stuff that's going on in the world right now. It's easy to get scatterbrained. And if we're individuals that start worrying about when he's coming back and what all the trouble's going to be when, before he does come back and what all we're going to have to endure and go through, guess what we're not doing? Because I can't tell you if Jesus is coming back today. I can't tell you if he's coming back in three years. I can't tell you if he's coming back in a hundred years for sure. People throwing markers out everywhere. Do I see things that have my eyes open? Yes, I don't see things. As a matter of fact, I'd put it this way, the things that according to the gospel, according to Mark, it says this is just the beginning of the birth things. This could go on for a while. 
So we get scatterbrained. And rather than having our eyes open to detect the things that we're supposed to detect, we begin to wonder, where are we going to get our food? Where are we going to get our medication? What are we going to do with our electricity? What are we going to do with our phones? What are we going to do with all of us? And if you start thinking about that, it starts driving you nuts. But in order for it to drive me nuts, guess what? The one thing has to be excluded from my head. Jesus is in control. See how that works? We test the spirits because spirits that are not from God want to torment us. They want to torment us. They want to steal our joy. They want to steal our happiness. And they will go to great lengths to do it. Great lengths to do it. And what does a large majority of Christians in this country do when that happens to them? Biblical knowledge, I'm telling you, it will save your life. Because it's the only way you have the ability to look Satan in the eye and say, you're a liar. And I know you're a liar. And if you think that I'm about to believe you over believing the one who paid for my sins, you're nuttier than squirrel dung. Who is it that we serve? Who is it that's proved himself over and over and over again? And I see myself daily about instances inside the church, instances inside the big C church, and and I start to go a little bit crazy. You know what God says? It's exactly what Satan wants. He wants you to go crazy. He wants you to completely disorganize everything that we've been organizing in your head and just drop it and walk away. You think I haven't had those thoughts? I just shared this with somebody last week. And I call, it was a puppy love girlfriend in school. You guys remember your first, right? They started at like third grade. Well, this girl that I went to school with, we'll just say there's a history and I'll leave it at that. The history, and this is right up his alley, I'm telling you. So my knee gets hurt. Go to, go to the doctor. Doctor says I need to see a health specialist. So I decide that I'm going to see a health specialist. Um, I get ready to call, and this little voice in my head says, hey, you need to look at their website. So I look up this place's website. They have a masseuse there who would be the person that would be actually taking care of depressing the nerve in my knee. Guess who it was? So here's my question. Should I have went? No way under the sun. Because we're human beings and we have these things down deep that if we put ourselves in situations we shouldn't put ourselves in, whether we're guilty or not, we make ourselves look guilty. And if everybody was honest when they're in that spot, they're pandering these things in their brains. Pandering to them in their brains. Who do you think's doing that? You know how to shut it down? Hey, babe, come here. I got to show you something. This almost happened to me. Test the spirits. You think that God would be okay 
under any circumstances for me to go. And, and I'm telling you, there's nothing ever and was never anything, really. Puppy love. The best way to describe it. But it was enough of an issue in my life that it was God saying, if you want to protect your family and you want to protect your heart, find a different place to have your knee worked on. And then God built on that. Imagine that. God actually turned us around and building on it. Because then it wasn't just a matter of me looking at the websites to see who the people are. You know what I decided I need to do? I need to find a place that's got a male masseuse. That's safer, right? Maybe not in this modern day. We have the ability, guys, if we, if we have the ability to walk through life with our eyes open, as we continue to consume Scripture and we continue to see what the Scripture is telling us, and we, we remember that we don't serve a God who's locked between 66 books in the Bible. He is a God who walks alongside us. And I've explained many times before when I was getting off the bus as a kid and had the big kids that were always picking on me and kicking me and shoving art needles in my rib cage, just doing horrible things to me. And I did the best I could to beeline off of that bus as fast as I could. But as soon as my two big brothers were on the bus for me, it was, and I punched one of them in the face. I'm like a fourth grader. Whack! Because I knew I had big brothers behind me. And as soon as that kid reached up and grabbed my hair, guess what one of my big brothers did? They grabbed him by his hair. From that point forward, when it's time to get off the bus, my brothers were there. They weren't there. It's as fast as you could make it from front to back. And the question's this. Do we even come close to getting that encouragement from God, knowing the reality of the fact that he's with us? Do we get that encouragement? Because what that encouragement allowed me to do was to stare down two guys that were bigger problems than I could have ever dreamt of or imagined taken care of but when my two big brothers were there I was like yeah do it now so how do you face the threats in the world when you actually know that Jesus is walking with you when you know that the spirit of God lives in you how does it affect you do you walk any different is your happiness better if it's not why it's because you're not remembering scripture you're not remembering scripture. Let me tell you something. And, and this is something we tend to forget a lot. You can't die. You can't die. You are literally unkillable. Those of you who are still young, it may take you a little while to start losing a little trust in that mechanic system the two arms and two legs and before you know it the thing starts betraying you and breaking down and don't function the way that it used to and our troubles are real and i'm not trying to minimize those at all but i am saying that our troubles when we face them knowing we have god next to us they should look a whole lot different than when we were forgotten a whole lot different this is the way Christians stay sane. This is how sanity works with us because there are always things competing for our allegiance. There are always things that are, that are buying for our emotional state. They want it because as soon as the devil gets our emotional state, how much disaster are we capable of?
He said in 3, verse 3, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. Now, this spirit of the Antichrist is not the embodiment of a person. The spirit of the Antichrist is all of the plans, the planning, the mentality, attitudes, instruction, everything that's moving everything towards the time of Christ's return. Okay? So, when it says spirit of the Antichrist, you could basically throw everything that's pushing uh, us to the eventual point of God's plan and purpose being fulfilled. That's the Antichrist. And I, I'm not going to get into that too much this morning. We'll, we can talk about it sometime if anybody wants to. But it's, it's the movement. Think about this, folks. How many babies have we murdered? And I don't say that to make anybody feel bad. Because I'm here to tell you, they make pretty strong arguments when they're trying to convince you that it needs to happen. The engine that is pushing this whole killing babies, it's, it's evil. People are in circumstances. They fail. There are individuals who are manipulating circumstances and taking advantage of people in order to bring about the end that they're bringing about. This is all published, folks. Did you know that the number one thing right now with all of the people who are pushing towards Jesus' return? 100%. These individuals pushing against Jesus' return, they get their hands in every one of your lives. And much of it. And in order for society to break down, and it will, individuals have got to become blind when it comes to what's going on in the world and who God is in the midst of it. And when we forget who God is in the midst of it, that's where our problems really start. Because at that point, we run around trying to take care of ourselves. Verse 4 says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. They are from the world. In other words, individuals who are driven by selfishness, by greed, or by lust... Those are the individuals who, let's face it, folks, do you think there's any greater joy in the world that would come from uh, the non-church side of the world if I was to fail big? Do you think they wouldn't get a kick out of that? I mean, there's people who've been waiting for over 30 years. When I trusted in Jesus at the age of 16, they looked at me and said, it's not real, it's not going to stick. Up to this point, it's real. It's stuck. Validity of who we are as believers, our identities in Christ, is where this settles, folks. Who are we in Christ? Because everything in the world is trying to tell you that you are something other than what you really are. Christ is the one who gives us our real identity, the one that says that all of your sins have been forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, drowned in the sea of forgetfulness. Yeah, we hang it, we hang these mistakes that we've made in our past over our heads. 
rather than learning from those mistakes and being someone who becomes involved in that area of life. Greatest testimony I ever heard in my life, a lady who had had three abortions in her lifetime got saved, come to know the Lord, and she started volunteering four to six hours a day to her locally local pregnancy care center. Because they have girls, just like that letter said, girls who come in there who are pregnant, who are, are lost. They see the struggles and the pressures the world's going to put on them if they had this baby, but they also know how wrong it feels for them to have that baby ripped from their womb. And it's just like me having the history that I've had. Everything that we've had a history in gives us the ability to be someone to someone else. And that mentorship, that ability to pick people up, not beat them down when they make mistakes, but to pick them up and to help them to understand this was a bump in the road that you got to watch for. This is who we are as Christians. And the fact is, I used to drive me nuts. I'd stand up here and preach and I'd be like, is anybody listening? Not on me. If anybody's listening, it's not on me. I know there are people listening. Don't take that offensive. If you're somebody who listens, you're somebody who listens. And I know there are people here who listen. But who do they believe? I can sit in my office and tell somebody straight up, what you're about to do is not okay with God. Under no circumstances is it okay with God. Well, he gave me permission to well, I don't think that's who he was talking to then. Because he won't repeat himself over and over and over in his word and then turn around and tell you something different. He won't. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The spirit of truth and error. Isn't that really what everything falls under? Now, we busted up into a hundred other topics, but can't you all really put it under one of those two? truth and error and how long does it take for a person to find out the truth depends on how solid your database is depends on how much of the word of God that you have in here because you can carry it around with you you can even potentially look it up on your phone but I'm here to tell you there is nothing more valuable than for you to have the word of God here why? Because most people who don't know it can't respond until after they find it. Once you know it, guess what you don't have to do anymore? You'll have plenty of stuff to look for, but there's also plenty of stuff you don't have to because God has taken his word and he has, he's made it make sense to us and burned it onto our hearts. We know the difference. And it's not religion, it is relationship. Verse 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not, or the, the one who does not love, does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through him. Go back to 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Kind of another litmus test here. Will a Christian in their right mind ever have a desire to do anything that will harm anyone? No. 
Now, will we do things that may indirectly cause harm? Yes. But does a Christian walk through the world just having a desire to harm people? No. Matter of fact, if anybody, if you can, if you can break that equation down to where the least amount of hurt happens, who usually takes the hit? We do. Why? Because Jesus would rather me, if I'm mature enough to see it, take the hit than for you to take it. And I'll take it. Now, I hope that that also means that if ever given the opportunity, I'll take it, you'll take it for me too. You see what I mean? When churches go through hard times, individuals get caught into those ruts where God's not so much front and center and guess what kind of things start happening? Phone calls. Gossip. Again, I'm not blaming people for doing that. Individuals have allowed themselves to be put in that spot, but the best way to combat that isn't to run up to people and beat them because they're gossiping. It's to understand that those individuals are human beings too, that they're facing difficulties and challenge that's knocked them off track, and them being off track is why it is what it is. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord will move your heart big time if you chase this stuff enough. I'm here to tell you, he will move your heart big time if you chase this stuff. And it's something that you want. Because we tend to be individuals who have the ability to go out and do what we need to do without any help. And I'll even go so far as to say, even guys who, faithful guys who are Christians, we still do an awful lot of stuff without God. I don't know if it's because we think that he's not interested and want to be brought along. Uh, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, this isn't the type of love that you get to define or the world gets to define. This is the kind of love that Jesus gets to define. The kind of love that is intent on loving individuals, not intentionally harming individuals. You know, we, we've talked many times before about how we're supposed to love the homosexual. It's not sick. In a spiritual sense, it's absolutely necessary. Because if we don't love the homosexual, we're not going to be witnesses to them. If we're not witnesses to them, then who's going to be? And how many Christians does it take to walk up and, and just flat out offend somebody before they don't want to talk to Christians anymore? So now they're bridges to salvation. Guess what just happened to it? Burned to the ground this, this topic engulfs the entire Christian faith when we look at, when we look at what God's trying to accomplish our, our difficulties, challenges, struggles, emotional state, my emotional state's important I don't know if it's important to you or not but it's definitely important to me I don't like being somebody who's scatterbrained I don't like being somebody who's put in a spot where I feel like that I'm afraid backed into a corner and the only way we find our way out of this is for us to push the emotion aside and for us to listen to what God has told us from the beginning because it does not require necessarily your comfort. It only requires your faith. Your faith, that's all it requires. If I say, yes, there really was a Jesus and yes, he really did come to earth as a baby. He grew up and he lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for my sins. He rose from the, the grave three days later where he now sits at the right hand of the Father who sent me a helper who now resides inside me and every other believer on the planet. 
should that change me any you better believe it should you better believe it should that's where the God-sized things happen, folks. And I asked this many times before I ask it again. Tell me one thing that's happened in this country in your lifetime that's God-sized in a church. I mean, how many Christians are there in this country? A bunch, right? I mean, apparently, they all say they are, right? I mean, if there are a whole bunch of Christians, if there are 16 million Southern Baptists in this country, and that 16 million Southern Baptists is full of faith, how many miracles should we be seeing on a, on a daily basis? How many salvations should we be over, over a given year? I ain't saying people are or aren't believers. That's above my pay grade. But I am telling you that Jesus did tell me this, as far as a canopy concerns to throw over it all, you will know them by their fruits. A Christian will care what God thinks. A Christian, it does matter what they do and how that affects other people around them. For non-Christians, they don't care. They don't care. As long as they personally benefit, they don't care. And I'm here to tell you, when Satan takes a person and twists their brain in a knot to the point that they actually don't care about other people and care more for themselves, the call of God in their life has become completely zeroed out. You don't get the blessing of the benefit of the freedom that was provided through Christ. You don't get the joy that was promised. You don't get the encouragement that was promised, and you certainly don't get the power that was promised. Because what did Paul tell Timothy? Most of the people in that time there were people who called themselves Christians. I'm paraphrasing. There were people who called themselves Christians. They sure didn't act like it. How many cars do you think when they pull out here today are going to look like horses? Because cars aren't horses. And non-believers aren't believers. And it really is that simple. The Bible lays it out that clear. You can look, you can read the rest of 1 John. 1 John chapter 5 actually has some stuff, and it's very, very matter of fact. I mean, he said it right here in this one. Let's look at the next verses real quick, and then we'll close. I'm going to read 7 too. We'll just go on from 7. Beloved, it is, uh, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. I hope that you guys are hearing kind of in this, the transition from the command to the emotional loving attachment that he's pushing forward here. 
Because if Jesus didn't care, he wouldn't have left. You say, that sounds backwards. Well, it did to his disciples too. That's why he had to explain to them. No, it's for your benefit that I do leave. Because if I leave, I'll send the helper. The Holy Spirit that abides in each and every one of us. The one that not only gives us the ability to trim the narrow lines of morality and ethics, but that also gives us the ability to take care of the people that are around us in the best way that they can be taken care of. And all of it happening just through one thing. Discernment. Which in a nutshell, is just caring enough to stop and think. That's what discernment is. Care enough to stop and think. Because what God's done for us, he wants us to bring to other people. And we all know what the benefits of those things are. When the, when the relationship we have with Jesus is pure, when it hasn't been cluttered up, with all of the other garbage. That love, that's the love that drew you to him in the first place. You remember day one? You remember when you said with all of your heart that you trusted in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior? Do you remember, and I, I, I say this cautiously, do you remember what it felt like to have that kind of powerful love and forgiveness in your life? Do you remember? That's where I want you to live. Because I'll tell you what, folks, if we are looking, if we're looking from the inside out and what we're standing is a pile of garbage, then what are we going to see out the window? But if we're standing in grace and we're standing in mercy, we're standing in love, then guess what we're going to see when we look at the rest of the world and the individuals around us who are hurting and need Jesus? We're going to see when they hurt and we're going to do everything we can to help them. And some of them are going to choose to refuse it and that's fine. Part of my struggle. Because to me it's like, no, it's not fine. It's fine. I'm not here to make people's choices for them. It's not my job. Now I'll work as hard as I can to get people to make the right ones. But once a person's made their choice, they made their choice. Consequences are consequences. Deals are deals. We have to have compassion for people. Because out of all the people on the planet, guess how many of them are hurting? Every single one of them, on some level or another, are hurting. So we can allow ourselves to be distracted by all the things in the chaos in life, which will pull our head away, and we won't see the people that are hurting and in pain. Those who are lost and are dying, eternally separated from God, we're not seeing them. But if our relationship is where it's supposed to be, and we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, and we are listening to him affirm to us, you're forgiven. Drop the weight. I love you. Even though you think that you're not worthy. I care about you in spite of the idiocy that goes on in your brain. I guess I'm saying this. With all that's going on in the world today, Jesus doesn't need people who are scatterbrained, who are not paying attention. 
He does not need individuals who are messing life up for other people. He doesn't need this. So I'm asking you now, as this church begins to rebuild some stuff, if you have a problem with me, come to me. Don't take it to nobody else. You get a problem with somebody else in this church, take it to that somebody else in the church. I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. We're going to come to the point where the building's going to stop falling in enough that we can start rebuilding it. And you know I'm not talking about the physical structure of the building. And when it does start to rebuild, I would love nothing more than for every one of our heads to be screwed on straight. Eyes open. Eliminating all of the distractions and all of the things that will continue to compete for our allegiance. Eliminating those things from our lives. Isolating ourselves on Christ. And then being about, in whatever part that God's called each of us individually, be about what it is that he's called us to be about. You can't push people to work if they're not in it. We can't put people in positions anyway if, if, if their brains are all hanging out everywhere. Gird up the loins of your mind, remember? Pull it all in, tie it up. That's what we need to do. And then you need to walk through this planet with the assurance that God gave you. He loved you. He forgave you. He'll forgive you again. As long as you trust in him and you're repentant, he will forgive you as many times as you need it. And if you're anything like me, you need a lot. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. <clears throat> Just come up here and tell me you want to be saved. Can't save you, but I'll take whatever time's necessary to sit down and talk to you about the one that can. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, though, there's just a whole lot going on in the world. And I'm talking about in the world, the individual's lives and locally and worldwide, and it's easy to get distracted. And I'm just asking you, I'm asking you now, when all the dust settles, are you going to be ready to pick up the pieces? Because life ain't going to get any easier. And the value of faith that Christ has given us, it not only gave them the ability to get through it 2,000 years ago, even if the pressures and things increase on us, God's given us more than enough grace, mercy, and power to be able to live now too. And we've got to stay level-headed. We have to. Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons. 